For us, Chapter 3, Bulletproof. Kurt. As Kurt pulled up to the address Carrie had given him, he automatically checked the cars that were parked along the tree-lined street. Most were under 10 years old, mid-sized sedans or family-friendly crossovers, nothing over 30K. Then again, nothing like the piece of shit he was driving now. He silenced the engine of his battered Corolla, missing his truck with a pain like a phantom limb. What had quickly become clear when he came out was nothing had ever really been his. His father owned it all. He got out carefully, mindful of his head, which felt two sizes too big. A handful of Tylenol had turned down the pounding somewhat, but the sun still felt like it was stabbing white-hot picks into his eyes. Which was his own fucking fault for swan-diving off the wagon of sobriety twelve hours ago. He would be a hell of a lot more comfortable if he could remember more of the night. He'd woken up naked, with a wad of bills in his jeans pocket. Someone had been in his house, had thought to place the kitchen garbage can next to the head of his bed and lock the door. As far as he could tell, checking himself in the shower, no one had fucked with him. Not knowing for sure was messing with him, and that shit was exactly why he told himself it was time to sober up months ago. Back to day one. He dropped his aviators over his eyes and jogged up the porch steps to lean on the bell. He tucked his hands into the pockets of his second-favorite jeans, too loose on his ass now that he didn't have hours of football practice and a gym pass to stay bulked up. That Kurt may have been gone, but he still loved these damn pants, soft as suede and one of the only designer labels he still had in his closet. The door swung open, and he almost choked on his tongue. John was standing there, his eyes wide with surprise. The cap was gone, and the rumpled bedhead Kurt remembered from high school looked genuine. He was barefoot, in a sleeveless tee and yoga pants, soft and loose, and held with a drawstring on his narrow hips. Kurt's heart constricted, and he might have made a strangled noise. What he could only have guessed at under the bulky sweater and jeans last night was blindingly obvious in pajamas. John White was all grown up, and filled out, and hella hot, and after vowing to shake it off and move on, Kurt was more done for than ever. He dropped back a step the smell of bacon wafting out, wafting out from the house just to wreck him a little more. Is Carrie home? Seriously, his voice cracked like he was 14. He cleared his throat. He left something at my place last night. John blinked those clear hazel eyes at him, his lips parting, and Kurt had to look away. Just then his stomach roared with hunger, audibly reminding him that he hadn't eaten anything resembling meat in a week, just noodle cups and oranges, which he'd heard prevented scurvy. He's out for a run, John said. Do you want to come in and wait? Kurt lifted his aviators, the corners of his mouth curling up. Hell yes, he did. He slid through the door, taking in the interior of the house. There was very little furniture in the main living space, just wide windows, and a cat curled on a yoga mat in the middle of the floor. His guitar case was propped under the coat hooks in the entryway. The smell of bacon was coming from the pan hissing on the stovetop, and John hurried to snap off the heat and set it aside. He darted Kurt a sideways glance, his cheeks a little pink. "'Are you hungry? Do you want some eggs?' Uh, his stomach was definitely sending him mixed signals on that one, hunger and nausea, squeezing it in turn. Just toast, if you have any. John rifled through the stuff on the counter. I think Carrie has bread somewhere. 
Kurt leaned next to the wall beside the door, trying not to stare at John as he moved around the kitchen and wishing he could put his aviators back on. His heart eyes were probably way too obvious. He daydreamed about meeting John a hundred times, and the reality was somehow even better than anything he'd been able to conjure up. Is this your place, too? Yeah, for a bit, while I do school. Kurt pursed his lips. Sure he would have noticed John if he saw him on campus, even under that stupid hat. Juve? John nodded. I never saw you at Pride events. He felt like he just stepped off the ledge, the question unspoken but hanging in the air between them. I'm not out on campus, John said lightly. It's the easiest place to be out, Kurt said, without stopping a second to think. The look John shot him was both hurt and angry. I don't want any of that right now. I don't want that defining how people see me there. I'm more than just gay. Kurt crossed his arms, feeling 100% judged by John's position. Do you let gay define you at all? He meant to sound offhand, but his voice was rough. The front door thumped, and Carrie loomed into the kitchen, his t-shirt dark with sweat. Some smells good, he said. Curtis is here for you, John said, without looking at him again. Carrie turned on his sock heel, his face wary. Yeah? Your guitar is in the entryway, safe and sound. Kurt dug the cash out of his pocket and thrust it out. I think you left this behind. Yeah, Carrie said. It's $250. Yeah, Carrie said. The bills were shaking a little. His fingers were shaking with anger and hunger and hangover. Pretty sure nothing happened in exchange for these bills, he bit off the words, and I don't take charity from strangers. Slowly, Carrie took the money, shuffling the bills through his fingers. It hurt to watch it disappear in his pocket again. He was going to need to find a way to make some cash for food today since he'd pretty much drunk all his profits from the show the night before. Pretty sure you're not a stranger, Carrie said. He glanced at John's rigid back where he was scrambling eggs on the stove. You free today, Clausen? He let out his breath, sagging a little. Yeah, I'm free. We're doing a drywall job and I need a guy. John whipped his head around, shooting Carrie a narrow look. Carrie said innocently, You said you had homework and a shift tonight. You can have your day back. I haven't said yes yet, Kurt said, an edge to the words. I might be shit at working a hammer. Carrie pulled up a chair and nudged the other seat out with his toe. Are you? You're staying to eat, yes? There had to be a catch. He just couldn't figure out what it was yet. No, I'm not shit, but I'm not stay- You're staying, John said flatly. I made you toast. Baffled, Kurt eased into the third chair at the table, sliding his phone out where it was digging into his hip. Carrie's mouth curled in a private smile as he poured him a tall glass of orange juice. You look like you need to hydrate. Kurt leaned out of the way as John set the pan full of bacon at the table, eggs piled next to the rashers. John's bicep had lines of text curving across his bare skin, and Kurt wished he could look more closely at the fine cursive to read it. He would have pegged Carrie as a tattoo guy, and in fact Carrie's broad left arm was sleeved in an intricate, colorful mountain scene. The John had ink surprised him. A plate of toast slid in front of him, and John thumped jars down one by one beside it. Peanut butter, almond butter, honey, we just don't have jam, we don't eat sugar. 
You don't eat sugar, Carrie said. I don't eat sugar when you're here. John rolled his eyes at him. And that is why I'm faster than you. Nothing to do with this 6'4 ass I haul around, Carrie said. You're built speedy. Kurt watched them banter, feeling the years of friendship that was behind them and their genuine liking for each other. It made his chest hurt. If you cut sugar, there would be a little less ass to haul. John lifted his hands innocently. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. He settled in the only remaining chair between them. Kurt picked up his toast to crunch down on the first bite when John's quiet voice interrupted him. Father God, thank you for giving us this food and a safe home. We love you. Amen. Kurt snapped his open mouth closed and quickly took a bite of toast to cover his dismay. He hadn't heard someone his own age say a prayer in years, not since he'd used football as an excuse to drop out of church. So, Carrie said it was a great show last night. John seemed to be trying to recover his balance. Do you play many gigs? Kurt gulped his orange juice, feeling Carrie's eyes on him. A few, yeah. Not as many as he would have liked. We play again next month at the Barnes. We're trying to broaden our fan base to be more than just that queer alt-country band. It can be a little limiting when our music is about things that make us human, not just things that are relevant to queer people. Love and betrayal and hunger for belonging aren't exclusive to gays. He held John's eyes, half-smiling to cover that he was still stung by John's words. Sure, John's mouth curved in a tentative smile back. I totally get that. You didn't want to stay to the end? The rest of his questions buzzed on his tongue. Why did you leave? Was it something I said? Why did you come in the first place? I worked at 12 the night before, and I just kind of crashed halfway. John's voice was soft, and his fingers brushed crumbs from the table to his now empty plate. Sorry, I'll come to your next show if my work schedule permits. I'm really glad to see you still doing music. He just touched Kurt's eyes for a second. That seems very you, more than football even. Kurt's mouth lifted in a grin. I love that. Maybe you should catch a nap before you come this time. John made a wry noise. Coffee is my life right now. Carrie was scraping the rest of the eggs and bacon onto his plate. I assume you don't want, he gestured to the steaming, greasy pile, and Kurt quickly shook his head. Care, John said. I'll love you forever if you make me a bulletproof coffee right now. Carrie huffed a laugh and got up. A coffee for you, Clausen. Kurt eased his shoulders, feeling his headache receding a little. Sure. He wrestled with himself, not wanting to stand on their hospitality any more than he was already, but it needed to be said at some point. It's not Clausen anymore. The look Carrie gave him was weighted. Oh. It's Visser, my grandma's name. The only member of my family I want anything to do with now. And since she was dead, she couldn't protest. Got it, Carrie said gruffly. Fragments of the other man's shitty history of childhood abuse floated up in Kurt's memory, and it occurred to him just how much of his story Carrie might get. John said lightly, So your jersey says Visser now. I guess that's why we haven't seen you on the field. Kurt's heart gave a little leap. You've been to the games? John shrugged, relaxed back in his chair now, his legs stretched out beside Kurt's and his bare ankles crossed. Carrie's a fan. Don't pretend you don't love football, Carrie said. 
Sweaty men in tight pants running into each other and falling down? I guess fifty percent of that is my scene, John said, his mouth quirking. A laugh rang out of Kurt's chest. John shot up from the table. Where is his coffee at? Carrie smacked away his attempts to mess with the pour-over system he was nursing on the stovetop. Back off. It needs a minute. You'll fuck it up like you do every time. John subsided back into his chair, an easy grin on his face. Diva, if your contracting business falls through, you have a beautiful future at Starbucks. Carrie made a disgusted face. Starbucks is for cishet white chicks. It'd been so long since he'd laughed this hard. Kurt's stomach was hurting. Oh, John said. Careful now, that's a little close to home for you, isn't it? Your coffee. Carrie set down a mug beside John with a flourish. Queen. John smacked his solid bicep, his ears pink. Shut it. But he was trying not to smile, and Kurt covered his own grin with his hand as he watched them. How the hell had he not been friends with these two in high school? Carrie set a mug of frothy brew in front of him, his brown eyes twinkling at Kurt, sharing the joke. Kurt slurped the drink, puzzling over the flavors. Turmeric? Coconut? Are you two always like this? he asked. Can I move in? John snorted. When we're not throttling each other. You can move in when you can hold your own against white. Carrie gave him a crinkly eye look through the steam of his mug. He is a black belt in jujitsu. Oh, for fuck's sake. John was pink to his hairline now. Shut up, Carrie. You just love to bring that up. Carrie was all innocence. He needs to know what he's up against. Do you really have a black belt? Kurt asked. Ugh. John buried his face in his mug. No sparring before I'm finished my coffee. Isn't that what you've been doing all morning? Kurt drawled, unable to resist. Don't start. John shot him a narrow, pleased look that made... Kurt's skin feel too tight. <sighs> At the same time, Carrie said, You'll fit right in. His teeth showed in his beard. I'll teach you some blocks so you survive the first minute. He's quick, I told you already. He had to force the laugh. Oh, I don't play anymore. He managed to keep the smile hanging on his face while John turned his full attention on him, the question plain. I lost scholarship. Oh, well, first my brother broke my arm with a bat, and then someone outed me to the team, and then the coach made a bullshit reason to keep a queer out of the locker room, and then I lost a scholarship. I actually don't attend U of A anymore. He tagged the last part on. John sucked in his breath. Jesus, Kurt... He swallowed, letting himself look John full in the face without the cover of a smile and storing away the sound of John's voice saying his name for later. Just for a second, and then he waved John's concern away. I'm over it. When? Carrie asked gruffly. I don't remember you being interested in athletics in high school, Kurt said. John gave Carrie a level look, like, this is why we don't tell that story. I wasn't. It was my dad's idea. I guess he got tired of his gay kid coming home with bruises. John glanced at him, his eyes touching Kurt's just for a second, and Kurt's heart squeezed. I never could blend like you. Somehow assholes like your brother always knew. Dad enrolled me in a self-defense class one year, and I just kind of took it to the next level. It's part of my 
He gestured vaguely over the front of his body, and Kurt tried not to let his eyes linger on his lap. My sobriety. Part of what keeps me in a good headspace. Like football is for you, I imagine. Carrie asked gruffly. His face flinched involuntarily. Last January. Turns out student loans don't cover for students with rich-ass parents, even ones that disown their kids. The room felt heavy, and it weighed on his stomach. I should quit bugging you. I've taken up enough of your day. John had his eyes pinned on his coffee mug, restlessly turning it in circles. The loose lightness that had been in his face was gone. His body practically hummed with tension. Kurt stood, pouring the last half of the mug down his throat, unwilling to leave a single delicious drop behind. Thanks, he said to Kiri, setting the mug back on the table gently. His hand passed so close to John's shoulder, he longed to just touch him and confirm that he was real. He stuffed his hands in his pockets and turned to go. You still good to work? Kerry rumbled. He stopped short but didn't turn. I mean, yeah, if you'll have me. I'm pretty out of shape, but I'll give you what I got. Good enough, Kerry said. I'll text the address. I'm heading out in an hour. Kerr picked up his guitar, glad for its familiar heft in his hand, and let himself out, the screen slapping softly. He sagged for a moment beside the door, feeling shaky. His stomach was full of toast and good coffee, and he felt so empty it hurt. Never in his life had he had a guy friend he could spend a morning with like that, bantering safe and relaxed. Not Nicky, or any of the guys he'd picked up and tried on the past couple months. Not on their best fucking day. John's voice floated through the open screen, tight and furious. What were you thinking, giving him my address? I was thinking it's my address. Carrie's rumble was harder to make out. And you need to open your life a little, more than just work and school and work. It wouldn't hurt you to have something fun with. The crack made Kurt start, and he swiveled to look through the screen. Someone, something, just got hit. His hand found his jeans pocket, and he realized he'd left his phone on the table. He hesitated a moment too long. John was speaking again. Kurt Visser is the last thing I need right now. He's a fucking disaster. His voice was icy. Kurt took it like a body hit, numb and breathless. Dropping back a step, he steadied himself on the post holding up the porch overhang. John wasn't done. I'll lose my job, Carrie, and you know it. Every kid I ever worked with will be sitting with my boss answering questions if I touched them, if I groomed them. God, you know what they're like there. That's not you, Carrie growled. No one's going to think you're a child molester just because you're gay. Feeling returned, and Kurt pressed his lips closed on the sound in his throat, closing his eyes. His own kid brother laughed back at him, his swim trunks riding low on his skinny butt as he danced through their sprinkler. That kind of hateful shit was exactly why he would never get to play tackle football with his brother again. You want to believe that? John's voice was quiet now. You hope for too much. I'll lose everything I've worked for. He made a wordless sound of hurt that broke Kurt's heart in two. Can you imagine what that would do to Dusty? To Jordan? There was a gaping silence. So, what? You're just going to be alone your whole life? Carrie's voice was soft. It was quiet a moment. I have you, John said. I have a job that matters. I have a family that didn't fucking disown me. That's enough, Care, okay? Just leave it. 
Kurt dug the heel of his hand into his eye, turning to go into hell with his phone. John spoke again. Hey, is this your phone? No. Oh. Kurt swiveled back to the door, too stupid to back up and look like he was leaving. When Carrie pushed the screen open, he was clearly standing there like a complete stalker. He dropped his aviators over his eyes, and Carrie drew up, letting the screen door slap behind him. Silently, he held out the phone. Silently, Kurt took it, his ears burning, and jogged down the steps. He peeled the rubber off his tires, pulling away from the house. John. John loaded all the plates backwards into the dishwasher. Absorbed in replaying the look on Kurt's face when he invited him in, the way his eyes lit with blue fire like John was interesting and desirable and worth writing angsty music about and singing his heart out to the whole room. he told himself for years he didn't want that or expect that, but in a private corner of his chest he stored up the fire of that look to keep him warm for a long time to come. He could at least have that much. Carrie was back, empty-handed, sooner than he expected. I think he heard, Carrie said abruptly. The warm bubble of his thoughts popped. What? He was standing on the porch. I think he heard what you said. All happy feelings scraped off John's brain. Did he say something? Was he upset? Carrie lifted his hands like he didn't know, but his mouth was flat and tight. I think you made him cry, he said gruffly. John's stomach squeezed as he ran over the words he'd let fly just moments before. He hadn't pulled any punches because this shit didn't hurt Carrie, just him. Just any queer man in earshot. Oh, shit, he said softly. I'm such an asshole. If you wanted Visser off your back, I think you got it. Carrie's blunt statement shouldn't have shook him. That was what he wanted. Kurt was every kind of complication he didn't need. But it took an hour of kicking the shit out of the heavy punching bag in their basement before he got his headspace settled enough to write a paper and go to work. For Us, Chapter 4, The Tent Carrie As a result, Carrie expected to manage the drywall job alone. But when he pulled up to the address he'd texted away with a hope and a prayer, the battered Corolla was parked across the street. Visser leaning against his car, waiting. His long hair was tucked under a camouflage hunting cap, and he'd changed into a paint-spattered pair of jeans and boots. Clearly he'd done this before. Relieved, Carrie dug around in the back seat of his truck for a spare pair of work gloves. Thanks for coming. Handing them over, he checked the other man's face in the shadow of his cap. Visser nodded, his mouth neutral as he tugged the gloves on. Embroidered into the front of his cap was the charming sentiment, God hates fags. Carrie's nostrils flared like he smelled something bad. That hat's not coming on my work site. Visser's eyes flicked up and he took the cap off to look at it. It's ironic. It's offensive, Carrie said. He dug around in the back seat of his truck and tossed Visser a different cap, something John's kid sisters had left behind last time they visited. The other man caught it neatly out of the air and laughed out loud at the purple pony on the front. I never took you for a brony. You can burn the other one. But my brother gave it to me. Visser tucked his hair under the sparkly pink and purple cap, his eyes narrow under the brim. He has a matching one. Carrie decided to ignore this, nudging his chin at the house. Basement is framed up. We're hanging the sheets today and mudding. Back tomorrow for more mud and sanding between another framing job. Grab the toolbox from my truck.
Visser worked amiably alongside him, quick to take orders, to apologize when his end slipped, to notice when the sheet was crooked. He sweated through his shirt in the closed basement air, the fabric sticking to the jutting bones of his shoulders, but he didn't slow down and he didn't stop until Carrie stopped. Carrie respected a person who knew how to work. On the curb, as the light vanished from the sky, he peeled off the 250 and held it out. Visser was swiping sweat from his forehead with the back of his wrist. He flicked Carrie a look, his expression animated for the first time all afternoon. We worked half a day. That's too much. It's tomorrow in advance, Carrie improvised. You're hired if you want the job. Hard to find someone who'll keep up to me. My last guy drank his paycheck and showed up still drunk. I had to fire him. Visser folded the money away, looking aside. I won't do that. He handed Carrie his pony cap back. I'm going to an AA meeting tonight. I was almost four months sober. I'll get it back. Tough to go it alone, Carrie commented. Visser shrugged, lifting his hand and swaggering away. John. When John arrived on shift that evening, two of his staff people were talking quietly in the office as they finished filling out their paperwork. Morning, boss, Angel said, giving him a small smile. Her pixie haircut was sticking up in all directions and dyed grass-green today, combining with her smooth brown skin to give her the appearance of a forest sprite gone urban punk. Angel was one of the only staff actually younger than her manager, but John thought the older staff were mostly over it. John worked harder than any of them, handled the shitty conference calls with social workers and difficult family members, and listened patiently to the staff's grievances about, uh, without letting them get away with shit. It probably didn't hurt that he covered more than half the graveyard shifts no one else wanted to work. She said, Dusty's up, waiting for you to say goodnight. John laughed softly. Of course he is. Anything I need to know tonight before you go? He glanced between them both. The other man, Patrick, shook his head. A good quiet day. You'll see it in the notes. John padded through the house, noting the tidy living room and kitchen, the folded laundry on top of the dryer. A good quiet day meant some of his night cleaning chores had already been done. He wrapped a knuckle on Dusty's bedroom door and the boy's sleepy voice answered, Is that my pops? Yeah, it is, John said, a smile tugging up his mouth. Dusty had explained to him at length one day when they were riding in the car that he wasn't calling anyone dad and that pops was for the freezy pops John kept in the fridge at their house. However, he'd been very earnest in his insistence that even though other staff might give him Freezy Pops, it was John's name only, no one else. At nine, this house was the most home-like place Dusty had ever known. He'd been here as far back as he could probably remember. You can come in. Dusty was sitting up in bed, his long, dark hair so tangled it didn't reach his shoulders anymore. He hated to brush it, but he wanted it long like his brother Jordan's. He held out his arms, opening and closing his fingers. Bedtime hug me. John left the door open wide to the hallway, taking a knee beside Dusty's bed to wrap him gently in his arms. Dusty had figured out a long time ago that if he demanded a hug, he would get a hug, and probably not any other time. John was well aware how rare it was for his kids to be touched in a way that felt safe to them, so he never hesitated. He tried not to dwell on how that practice might come back to screw him over. Did you have a good day today? John asked. Dusty's face moved against his sweater front, nodding. John let him go, and Dusty gave a satisfied sigh, lying back against his pillow and closing his eyes. Make the tent, he said. 
John tucked his blankets in more snugly like his mom had used to do for him. As he prayed a version of the prayer, she would pray at bedtime. Creator, spread your tent of peace and love over Dusty all night long and all day tomorrow. Amen. The Ministry of Social Services was, of course, aware they were a Christian not-for-profit group, group home, and only as long as they celebrated their indigenous spirituality alongside those practices. It wasn't a stretch for John, who'd realized years ago that God had to be bigger than the white, cishet picture he'd received as a child, but it made some of his more conservative staff uncomfortable. As far as he was concerned, they were just going to have to get over it. It felt more complicated than usual to sit at his desk doing paperwork for his kids and staff. With the house quiet around him and most of the work of the night complete, John found his mind wandering to seeing Kurt on stage, hearing the throb in his voice as he sang, and then finding him on his doorstep this morning. Finally, he gave in to the temptation and clicked the search box to find the song. He put on headphones, even though the office was empty this time of night, and laid his head on his arms to make a dark, private space to listen. As Kurt's voice poured into his ears, John's chest shook and tears dropped out of his eyes, all the longing he'd had at fifteen, suddenly as present in his body as it had been then. For a handful of heartbeats, he let himself feel the things Kurt made him feel, his heart expanding and aching to be known and held. He couldn't imagine moving through the world the way Kurt did now, stepping into a public space his full size without caring what anyone else thought of him. On his worst days, John felt like he was as closeted now as he had been at 15, making himself as contained and inoffensive as possible so he could pass in his adult life without drawing unwanted attention to his sexuality. Watching Kurt made John feel as if the boundaries of the life he'd made for himself pressed against his body until he couldn't fully breathe anywhere except in the sanctuary of his own house. By the time he arrived home from work, he was stiff from spending the day behind his desk, but he knew the right thing to do. He found Carrie in their basement, stretched full length on his massive couch, which had been relegated to one wall to make space for their sparring floor and punching bags. Carrie's eyes flicked from the basketball game to John. Too tired to spar tonight, he said gruffly. And I'm not doing yoga while there's a game on. John shook his head. Can I have Kurt's number? I think I need to apologize. Carrie dug out his phone and held it out so John could copy the contact into his. He'll have you if you text from your phone, Carrie remarked. I know. John knuckled his dry eyes and dropped onto the end of the couch. He knew what he needed to say, just not how to say it. They had texted every day when they were sixteen. It hadn't been this hard then. He closed his eyes and took a slow breath, opening the door to his feelings a tiny bit. It's John White. I'm sorry for today. I think you heard what I said, and I didn't mean to hurt you. I know how that shit can go in. I wish things were different for us. He sent it quickly before he could change his mind. He sighed and turned off his phone, feeling a little lighter, with that off his chest. I'm going to bed. This has been... For us, chapters three and four by Rachel Runnels, all rights reserved. Be well, lovelies, and have a good sleep. Mm-hmm.